is the end. I don't know the rest of the song. Uh, I just know that line. From, I don't know what the other lyrics are. Uh, this is the end. This is it. We have reached the end of Final Fantasy VII Remake Part 1 again. Uh, this is going to be the end of our Final Fantasy coverage for a brief period of time. We're going to take a little mushroom break. Um, take that as you will, I suppose. Uh, but I am here, Brooklyn Zed, one more time covering Final Fantasy VII along, excuse me, along with my co-host, Adam. Adam, you did it! It's done! It's done! It's over! Final Fantasy VII Remake has been completed. Did I, you know, I'm just, you know, looking back here a year ago, you would have told me I'm playing two Final Fantasy games and I'm done with both of them? No way. But here we are, Zed. Um, I don't even know how many podcasts later. Uh, 18 chapters. Done with the game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you had told me I would be running a video game podcast yeah. at any point in my life, I would have been like, literally how? Uh, <laughs> including now. It's sort of, um, I'm not sure how I got here. I mean, I know exactly how I got here, but yeah. how? Uh, so this is what we're doing. Both of us unexpected accidental gamers here to talk through the last of not us that's later uh the last of final fantasy 7 remake chapter 18 destiny's crossroads here we go this is it uh until you play hard mode so um I, this might just be <laughs> it uh, i don't know uh, I, don't, I don't think hard mode is happening um oh we'll, it's we'll happening it's popping um all right we did the intro cinematic that happens. It, it, chapters always sort of start with these cinematics that you can't really pause yeah. down beforehand or yeah. save in between. Uh, you kind of got to let them roll before you get to a pausing point. Um, so talk me through. We've escaped the Shinra building on motorcycle and weird little blue pickup truck yeah. vehicle thing. Not a great car. Um, I have a small admission to make. Uh, I did do the motorcycle part last week. Like I had already done yeah. it when we had recorded last because it doesn't I think let you me kind, stop. Yeah, you kind of have to. It doesn't let me stop there, which is really annoying, uh, specifically for when you are trying to podcast by chapter about a video game. In any other scenario, it would not have mattered. But in yeah, this particular yeah. scenario, it was you know very annoying. Right. Um, it's like you have put the chapter breaks where you can stop playing. Yes. Square. Uh, come on. Come on. What are we doing here? Yeah, when we were podcasting about Chapter 17, I had already skipped the motorcycle fight because it was the only way I could get the game to stop. Yeah, um, and I think, honestly, that is probably my big takeaway from this motorcycle fight is that I really wish that I could have gotten the game to stop um, because it was easily the worst part of Chapter 18 by a landslide, uh -huh. um, and it just felt kind of dumb <laughs> i mean you know something's got to be bad if they'll let you skip it in hard mode yeah like given the things they very put you telling. through in hard mode yeah it's very yeah. telling that like that is even an option to skip um we said this earlier in the podcast but way back in chapter whatever we already did this we've already done a motorcycle fight um it's interesting, uh, be, be, you know, we, we talked about predictions and stuff like that. Obviously, we're going to fight a big robot on the road. Like, that was very, you know, Classic. obvious and stuff like yeah. that. I still wish that we would have maybe seen Roche again. Like, that could have been maybe an interesting tie-in to bring him back for one last time here before we uh, get out of Midgar. But nope, uh, just just another 
another <laughs> fight on the road where we're doing the same couple of things kind of over and over again. Um, it remains pretty inexplicable to me that Roche yeah. shows up for that one fight in like chapter four and yep. then you do not see him again. He like bails us out at the end of the chapter kind of and then yeah. uh, we just like leave and then he's just done. A lot um, of times you've said, I expect we won't see them again, and then we do. Yeah. And then this time you were like, we'll probably see him again. And I was like, mm-hmm. He played such a major role in that chapter. I mean, truly. Like, like uh, for why? You're telling me that we get, like, hours of Johnny content and nothing more of Roche. That is what you're telling me? The hate into Johnny is incredible. Yikes. Um, I really don't see why. Um, okay, so, I, but I do have like some specific words here as to why I don't like this secondary motorcycle fight. And okay. it's just because you can't do anything. One of the reasons why the combat in Final Fantasy VII Remake is like interesting is because we have abilities, we can go between characters, we can do different moves, we can use whatever special, we can use spells. This is like, okay, do I want to go faster or slower? Do you want to go left or right? Do I want to attack? And then maybe every couple of minutes I get to hit the E button and spin around a little bit uh, and I guess do more damage, but the visual isn't even cool. And then we slow down for a bit. Like, that's it. There's no other, like, things that I can do. Um, Whereas, like, every other fight, it feels like I have a lot of options and I can, like, maybe outplay the scenario. This is not one of those situations, and it feels very unsatisfying even after completing it. So, um we don't need to talk about the car chase for a while because like that is easily the least important part of chapter 18. If not the game, to be honest with you, like uh-huh. this, this might be so inconsequential because like, of course we're going to get out of here. It doesn't even make sense that Shinra is able to mobilize this many things this quickly uh, for like this hyper specific road fight. And now that we're at the edge of town, they're done with all their stuff. Like how are they able to get so much so quickly? And then not, whatever uh that's the road fight i i have no more thoughts on that it was very uh disappointing and upsetting and um i was very glad in retrospect here to have done it last week so that this week my entire playthrough started at the edge of at the edge of midgar Mm -hmm. um because i feel like uh, at now, Destiny's Crossroads. At Destiny's Crossroads. Oh, yeah, there was no crossing Destiny in terms of that road fight. There's just, I mean, there's nothing there. Um, but it was very good because I really, and obviously we'll get into this, I really, really loved the ending of this from that point on. And so I was like very glad to have, not by my own choice, split it up there uh, so that I was able to kind of have like a really good ending experience here uh, as opposed good. to having to do the car thing and then going into the i feel like my attitude would have been much different um and so it was good to kind of get that like level set break so i get you know uh whatever (laughs) that that's that's it that's like all i have to say about the road fight um unless there's anything else that you think needs to be mentioned here no not really the mechanics are largely a repetition of what you did the first time around except now you also have this like boss fight with the giant robot thing and i don't even remember what it's called yeah um I'm sure it has a name. Probably. Oh, oh, Motorball. Yeah, that's a dumb name. Welcome to the Motorball. Yeah, that's a, um, that's a terrible name for a Drag for Race a is on again, everybody. Can you tell <laughs> I'm back in Drag Race mode? Um, yeah, you hit the wheels a bunch. You, uh, you, you know, you cripple the wheels or whatever. It shoots fire at you. It, yeah. 
and then okay. it's over and then the real end game begins and then the real end game begins so the only thing i'll say before we get to kind of this going through the through the veil if you will um is that all of the uh the shinra building was covered in the the whispers in the dementors uh that we've yes. been talking about that's one of the visuals that we see through there um which will be pretty you know fairly important as we kind of talk through these final fights here um we get to the end road there's conveniently a place to stop and rest and a vending machine right at the edge of town that's very thoughtful of them to put that there um so we can rest refuel uh i probably spent 20 minutes figuring out all of my materia stuff and itemization and skill points and whatever trying to like just make sure i got that well because uh they were very clear about once you go through this thing uh that's it that's this is it this is what's happening yeah um, they, i think they literally say something yeah. to the effect of this is the point there's no going back this is the point of no return this is it yeah. like you are crossing the rubicon I've never totally known what that phrase means, but I think we're doing it here. Um, yeah, get ready because uh, you're you're effectively entering another dimension here, and this is it. This is it. Uh, and so I I figured out all the weapon scenario. Tifa's got her purple things. Uh, Cloud has his new sword. A uh, lot of materia happening. Um, I I was able to kind of uh, made some tactical decisions. I got rid of the assess materia because. Something tells me Chadley wasn't going to be in here. <laughs> uh, who knows? I guess uh -huh. he gets around, but who knows? Um, and so I was able to kind of, you know, min-max that a little bit. We got, uh, uh, I forget what else I was doing. There was a lot of, like, materia stuff. Um, I, like, I was very intentional. This was probably the most that I've, like, actively thought about materia or slotting the entire game. Because mm -hmm. um, this was it. So this was it. We went in. Um and I think that uh, uh, this is where um, things really started to to pick up in the game. Things were it was very clear that we're in the end game. I made the prediction last time, not a prediction. I just basically said what I thought was going to happen uh, was that we're just going to have a bunch of boss fights at the end of this game that were going to be somewhat inexplicable, even though I kind of didn't want them to. Um, and I just wanted to kind of set off into the sunset. Uh, I think I was wrong in terms of. <laughs> what i actually wanted um because i think this worked better than i thought it was going to okay. um which is interesting because like at the beginning of when it was happening uh i was very very lost and it took me a, it took me a little bit to kind of understand the concept of what was happening so we went into the portal thing we had a big you know r ramp up speech or whatever barrett had a little moment at the end that was very cool um and we're all yeah, going he's in. he's got a good speech. Did you go talk to everybody? I talked to Aerith and Barrett, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know why I didn't talk to Tifa, but they've all got they've all got a thing. Uh, great use of cutscenes throughout the, kind of this entire thing. That will there's, there's a few that I uh, did want to call out, but right before here, we give this big speech and we go inside of uh, the portal here, um, and this is where things get a little hairy. Uh, because I don't think that the explanation of where we are or what we're doing is obvious, um, like at all. And so uh -huh. like, it took me a minute to like, think about at least what I think is going on. And so, uh, part of this is as we're getting in, it's basically a world of destruction. There is like debris and roads and whatever, uh, at least in my, in my thought, this is like, um, Midgar if it like exploded and there's a bunch of stuff everywhere and uh, Sephiroth is there 
more or less. And he is trying to hurl items, uh, hurl roads at us. And we are uh, jumping and using moves that I do not have access to as Cloud during uh, combat. That's for sure. Um, we're dodging everything. We're going forward. And Cloud is kind of uh, starting off on his own. And there's going to there's gonna be this theme a little bit of like Cloud picking up party members to to help on, and in various boss fights here as we go forward. Um, but we see Cloud kind of going forward. Um, and, and the big thing here uh, in this first... In the first of basically the final two boss battles is we have the Genova, the the big old uh, tentacle squid Genova thing. Um, I don't even know. It also maybe looks like a tree uh, over there. And Genova's huge. And this is our boss fight. And the way that Genova is uh, interacting with us is via three whisper somethings, whisper mm-hmm. things. Um, who all have weird names that I had never seen before and did not even write down because I didn't. I've played this game four times and I call them Vivaldi, Crucio, and Red Rum. And yeah. that's not their names, but there you go. close enough. Uh, I mean, it's fine. Yeah, one of them is red, I think. One of them is like uh, uh, white and maybe another one's yellow or something. I, it doesn't even really matter because um, they were roughly the same thing. Um, three. Uh, iterations of Genova, iterations of these whispers that we had been seeing all game uh whispers are dementors i think i'm going to use those interchangeably because mm-hmm. uh i i didn't know that they were really called whispers up until this point um mm-hmm. but i'm going to use them interchangeably the arbiters um, of fate yes uh i think we've called them specters before too so i don't know i don't know why everything is all, like pick a word uh, yes, um, the enigmatic specter the enigmatic yes. specter or specters a through k or whatever it was that we had to fight all the time um and so there were three of them and so as we are kind of getting into this boss fight um half of my brain is trying to understand what we are doing here and like why these are the things that we are fighting in the finale of this game because when we talk about the second boss fight, that is going to make a lot of sense just in terms of like, okay, this is what Final Fantasy VII is is making us fight. That's fine. But this first phase, it, it like really took me a second to kind of understand. And so as we're getting to these three, um, I didn't employ like a ton of amazing strategy here. This was just like take one down and keep wailing at it because when it went down, it hit the big thing. And then just time after time after time, they all kept respawning somehow. Um, and so that that was really just the strategy over and over again. Um, they got a little crazy as things kept going. Um, but it was very, very cool kind of getting to move from place to place, even if it wasn't like a lot of actual choices and it was just moving from platform to platform and following the arrows. It was cool to like take a, a some breaks between like big fights, just so even mm-hmm. like me as a person can like resituate myself after like <laughs> yeah, being yeah, yeah. so intensely, like whatever hunched over. Um, and so like that was, you know, I think like that element of it was really good. And there were also a few times where, uh, you know, once we would defeat one of them or once we would kind of go forward or, or move to a different place, uh, there were some visions that happened as well throughout some of these fights. Um, talk about those in just a second, because uh, they don't really make any sense until we get to the actual uh, like ending of the game. Um but uh, that was, I mean, those were the big three. And then basically the thing fell over and we got to deal damage to it. Um, but that that was basically my strategy for all three of them. It was like, take, you know, pick one, have everyone go for that one, even though it did a ton of damage all over the place, like keep everyone healed up and whatever. Um, 
but once you got one down or when uh, maybe even if it was just staggered, like then the thing would be whatever. Yeah. But, like, once we you got have it to down, stagger them individually. Yeah. Uh, and when you do that, you are then able to do damage to the big boy. Yes. Um, who had a lot of HP. Um, yeah. A lot, a lot of HP going around in chapter 18. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, those were the, the, uh, the whispers, if you will. Um, and so as, you know, things are continuously being said here, uh, that's, that's the first of the big kind of boss fights here at the end. Eventually we're able to kind of get to, um, like we're saying that final whisper Genova, uh, and destroy it more or less destroy Genova, which subsequently takes care of all of the other whispers, specters, uh, dementors, whatever you want to call them, um, Mm -hmm. as they are a part of Genova. And I think like, um, oh, there, there was, there was one point, which is very fun where the three of them turn into like a dragon for some reason, just kind of yeah. out of nowhere. <laughs> they become whisper Bahamut. So Bahamut is one of the most powerful summons in the final fantasy series. Um, and when I played this the first time, or maybe on hard mode, the first time, uh, I summoned Bahamut and I just let my Bahamut fight whisper Bahamut for nice. a while, which was very satisfying. Um, did you happen to notice that the three uh, individual whispers that you're fighting, one of them, the red one has a sword, the yellowy white one has a gun, and the blue one, I guess, is supposed to be Tifa. <laughs> oh, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, just, I don't think it really impacts the way that they attack, but it is supposed to, I believe it is read as like a reflection of the three of them that you inherently have for this fight. Okay. Uh, Cause we'll get to the next, uh, the next and final fight and who you have for that part is not uh set in stone. Oh, uh, okay. Interesting. Um, okay. We'll so talk about that when we get there, um, I'm, I'm curious why you think uh, the whisper harbinger is Genova. Well, I think they said Genova, right? I think that they said, uh in, in in some capacity like there's the, the big creature that was kind of in the middle there uh i think they said it was Genova. no i don't think so okay <laughs> um it's known as the yeah the whisper harbinger and i think i'm trying to remember where i heard this uh oh it might be from the final fantasy 7 movie um where they call something a harbinger towards Mm. the end. And there is a theory that this uh, game exists in the same universe as Advent Children, the film. Um, And if that's the case, I think that's right. Uh, If that's the case, I think the use of harbinger here, the whisper harbinger specifically, because it's a really specific word, is very intentional to relate it to this Advent Children world, potentially. Okay, I, I, def- I definitely get the harbinger is like a hyper specific word here that has like a lot of meaning, I think. Um, yeah. But I, we can talk about that once we actually get to some of the dialogue a little bit mm-hmm. later, because like that, I think there's a lot of um, a lot of intrigue there. Um, and so we destroy the the major whisper harbinger. Um, Sephiroth is still there. He tries to like you know bring down brain hellfire on us uh, again. We get all split up and separated, and it's just Cloud versus 
um, Sephiroth in in one v one battle here. And I believe by this point, uh, you've talked about you talked about some of the visions and yes. flashes that we've seen. And I think by this point, we've seen essentially what you see post the post credit scene. I've now said scene like eighteen times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> of the original Final Fantasy VII, where we see Red 13 running through this, like, untamed wilderness. Uh, and they seem to all sort of have this collective vision, because uh, I think it might be Barrett who asks, what did I just see? Yeah. Um, and Red 13 answers, uh, a glimpse of tomorrow if we fail here today. Um, so there is this sense that we are, and Tifa says this as they start, like I've never fought destiny before. Um, so this is here, this is what they're here to do. They're here to try and change, change the timeline, change their fate, fight, literally fate itself is, is how this is presented. Um, and in doing so they clear the way for Sephiroth potentially. Yeah, and I think like that is kind of the key here and the thing that I didn't really unlock in my brain. Admittedly, this, whatever, this was like 12.30 a.m. last night. But uh, <laughs> it, like that did not unlock in my brain until about halfway through this fight where the the Dementors, the Spectres, the Whispers, whatever you want to call them throughout the entire game that we have been talking about, the entire game, they've been there since the very beginning, um, finally kind of made some actual sense in mm -hmm. terms of like what they were and what they were trying to do um it, it was always clear that like they had some kind of agenda and were working for something and trying to accomplish a particular task but i think that like seeing all of this and especially with the dialogue and you know uh, the name of the chapter doesn't hurt um working for destiny there are things that like need to happen things that are supposed to quote unquote happen in this universe, in this world, um, that need that need to happen, and uh, those specters, those shadows, whatever whispers, are in service to achieve those goals. And I think like a few of the things that came to mind that like again didn't really track for me. I remember like um, I, I'll never remember the chapter names, but uh, before the second bombing, uh, Jesse got hurt because of the specters, and therefore Cloud had to be the one to go do it. Or uh, in uh, the the president's office when Barrett got fake killed and the Spectres were the ones that saved him. Like, there are things that needed to happen on this path that the Spectres were then in service to. And so us fighting them, as we're talking about, like, this fighting of destiny, we are literally trying to fight against that. And I'll say, again, about halfway through this fight, when, I, when I'm, like, thinking about this, that's pretty freaking cool. Like, that's a good, I think that's a good, like, sum up of the stuff that we've been doing this whole game that, at least for me... Um, arguably like a video game idiot who knows almost nothing about like how games work really that's like a cool wrap-up I think for for that whole kind of thing that I didn't really fully understand and maybe I still don't but like it, it clicked for me in a way that I was like dang okay this is I'm not just fighting three like random whisper trees like these this is actually interesting um and so like credit to the game for that it's a it's a it's a long play <laughs> yeah it is a mystery uh, that you really get from the very beginning of the game yeah in the very early on in the very first chapter you have that interaction with Aerith, and immediately the whispers get introduced right there um and have continued to show up throughout the rest of the game in various capacities 
And obviously this is where the game has started to take a really significant turn uh, from the original. And it is clear that while we are working within the same world and with the same characters, uh, things are not necessarily going to play out the same way. Yeah, which I, again, I think uh, is a necessary choice for the remake of this game for just infinite reasons. Um but also not an easy choice. And I think yeah. like that is is kind of the important line here of, of why I'm going to give this game so much credit because um, they knew that they had to make changes from Final Fantasy VII, the original, right? Like they couldn't just come here and actually do a beat-for-beat beat story reproduction of that game because everyone would know. There's like some pretty major reveals in that game that like everyone would already hypothetically everyone except for you know maybe us would know coming in as they're trying to play this game and i think like those changes are necessary but also like i'm trying to imagine those conversations of just like someone in a boardroom being like hey we need to change this and this and it's like whoa the, like these are pretty big things to have here at the end especially as we're talking about like the final boss battles of this game arguably yeah. like the pinnacle of what everything has been building to. And I think if you would have told me like chapter one, like this is fate. We are fighting against destiny. We are playing like alongside parallel to what the destiny of this game has been going to be. I think that it would have been really fascinating to like track that throughout and see it finally in chapter 18. And then uh, I'm sorry, but on the, on the flip side, as we get to chapter 18 and I didn't really realize that, I, like maybe it's more interesting maybe it's less interesting i don't know it was very fascinating last night to like think about it throughout then uh because i don't think they gave a lot of like hints or at least not ones that i picked up on <laughs> throughout like the first playthrough of this and so i think like uh you know kudos to them for the second to last battle being more engaging and interesting than i thought it would be all things considered yeah um and with that we have essentially cleared the way like they are they're putting the onus on us that whatever is about to happen next is our fault because we got fate out of the way for better or worse um like maybe we didn't like the way things were going before but are we gonna like the way that they're gonna go now we don't really know that's yeah. that's gonna come up in uh future installments of remake um but they have opened the door for the story to go in different directions whether we like that or not, I think is is still to be seen when Rebirth uh, drops, I want to say at the end of 2023, maybe. I'm going to double check if we have a release date for it. I know it was in the big square uh, drop of all their stuff in the fall. Um, let's, uh, but that that is, that's where we're at now. And we are about to head off to the ultimate final battle at long last, here he is. We are face to face with Sephiroth. Sephiroth! So, this battle starts off, as I said, as a 1v1 with Cloud and Sephiroth, as we are kind of on this little platform. Um, he's got some cool moves, and I have said this before, I'll say it again, say it until the day I die. My least favorite kinds of fights are 1v1 battles with just cloud because they require uh very specific mechanics and defensive <laughs> stuff and i just want to go around swinging my sword yeah and killing people and instead i have to sit here like an idiot hitting counter stance like 500 times trying to do all that um also sephiroth has 
so much health <laughs> mm-hmm. like so much health at the i mean we were like three or four minutes into the fight and i'm like looking at sephiroth's health bar and it is not gone down and i'm just like oh man this is gonna get brutal um yeah especially because i think mechanically you stagger him pretty early that's just like part of how it's gonna go in the fight yeah but uh you're not really accomplishing anything when that happens <laughs> Not at all, because you get, like, maybe two or three hits because that stagger bar goes away quickly. It really yeah. counts down fast. Um, So, like, maybe you get one special hit off. I don't even think I did. I think I was just able to land a couple hits and then use that opportunity while he staggered to, like, heal myself. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I mean that's valuable too. It when is, yeah, because you it could know your healing is not yeah. exactly is not going to be interrupted. Uh, there is nothing worse than when you're about to like hit a big spell and you like you know using like 12 MP for something and then you get interrupted by something stupid and it's like oh that's yeah the, it's the absolute worst. Well, um, or in hard mode when you're just trying to use ATB and not use MP and so you've been running around in circles not doing anything except charging up your ATB bar to like use prey or something and as soon as you've hit it you get interrupted and it's like well that's you know 30 seconds of wasted time yeah yeah it's 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 just brutal uh on all fronts here so we get Sephiroth down a little bit uh and then lo and behold who should show up to join me in the fight but my main gal Aerith uh okay yeah she's the one who's most likely to show up next yeah which was Really great because she's pretty powerful. Magic did quite, uh, did especially a lot of work in terms of staggering Sephiroth. So that was really uh, useful did to you have miss there. Me? Um, and I did miss her because she has a lot of healing and is really good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, very helpful there. Not a huge health bar to work with, but you know, as we're talking about prey, her uh, ATB bar goes up so fast, um, and she's able to just use prey like crazy. So. Um, there you go. That's excellent. Welcome to the fight, Aerith. Uh, at that point, though, Sephiroth was using some like very, uh, very tricky abilities uh, and spells. He loved to throw fire at me. He loved to throw cold stuff at me. Um, and they were. Very, it's very strong as well. Um, went down a couple of times uh, as as you know as we're fighting him here, uh, and then we we just keep going. Um, a lot of this fight was waiting for him to make an attack excuse me make an attack and then use that counter stance uh Mm -hmm. ability which i think is from the latest sword uh is what gives us that or or something i don't even really know where it comes from that sounds right yeah um but so we're using counter stance which is is, it's basically like what happened previously with uh that other guy when we would defend and then it would make it a counter attack or whatever and it would significantly up his uh 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 bar to a stagger bar um, which was good, very, very necessary to get that going, to get some damage down somewhat consistently on him. Um, it just took a while. Uh, and then eventually uh, the rest of the party showed up, more or less. Um, Tifa was was, was uh, the other one that showed up. I don't know if they were all me, supposed to show too. up. or um, No, you only get three, of course. Uh, but those are my same three as well. Yeah. Um, I kind of would have liked to have Barrett in this fight. Barrett was probably my second strongest party member throughout the entire game, just because like he has so much health and actually can output a good amount of damage at range. Doesn't have to like be all up in the fray. Also mm-hmm. can be very tanky with that uh, steel skin ability. And so um, 
he hypothetically I would have liked to have Barrett here, but that's okay. Tifa actually can output a lot and significantly ups the stagger bar and makes good use of when he actually is staggered. All of her abilities do a lot of a lot of good stuff when uh the baddie is staggered. So those are my those are my three to take down Sephiroth. Um and it took a while. I mean, this was a lengthy fight here uh because um he had a lot of health and he did a lot of damage and so i had to expend a lot of my resources and energy healing um instead of instead of trying to do damage um and i will say before we kind of get to the very end of this fight the the thing that i really did love was that it wasn't just a totally 1v1 cloud versus sephiroth at the end of this game i could very much have seen the argument for why it should have been and making it that one V one. But I think it was an excellent choice to allow us to have three people to, to fight Sephiroth, even if, you know, they might've made him harder or whatever, but like, I think that it was uh, narratively a, a really, really good choice to have multiple party members be able to fight Sephiroth here at the end. Um, and just kind of get that payoff for everyone. I think it was actually like Tifa's limit break for me that landed the final blow nice. uh, on Sephiroth. So like it wasn't even Cloud, which is, you know, um, but I kind of love that. So uh, just before the end here, uh, there were like a million phases. I didn't write down any of the phases because how the hell am I supposed to take notes while I'm in the middle of one yeah. of these phases? I'd be like, oh, okay, phase three, let's pause, you know, pause, and he did this. So there were a lot of... It's definitely hard, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how you're ever supposed to do that. Um, there were a lot of times where he did, like, elemental stuff and where he would, like, gain resistance or immunity to, to various elements, and I just had to kind of, you know, shift slightly some of the magic choices I was making, but... Um, I didn't use a lot of spells on him regardless. So all my spells were just healing um, or just straight attacks because that's what we needed. Um, Chakra on cloud was massive. Just, uh, just as an FYI to the world, that was insanely world. Yeah. huge. Um, that was like, one, it, cause it was on Tifa basically all game. And at the end I was like, wait a minute, cloud should probably have some self healing without having to expend any MP. And so there we are. So it was chakra on cloud and then everybody else had a prey, I think, or something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, there's, there was plenty of healing to go around. It just, obviously it takes resources and ATB bars to actually use. So, uh, we just had to keep building this up and healing. It was a long fight. Then Sephiroth started counting down, uh, started at 10. Don't and done. I don't know much about uh, what this could have been. Yeah, I don't know much. I don't know much. Just straight up. <laughs> end of sentence. I don't know much. But uh, when someone, particularly the biggest baddie in the game, starts counting down from 10, doesn't seem like you want them to get down to one. That's yeah, probably bad. Probably not a good thing. Uh, and so it was kind of at that point, cause I, you know, I'm, I'm very tactical about saving those limit breaks for when I needed them. And so he started counting down from 10. Okay. Cloud limit break, Tifa limit break, uh, and there you go. Um, yes, yes, yes. And I, this was like, no, I don't know what I imagine. I probably would have just lost if he would have gotten all the way down or, uh, I don't know, yeah, but... I believe that is a game over. Um, Yikes. I will say that there is the saving grace. I don't know if you lost to Sephiroth and had to restart that fight at any point in time, but at least you are able to start at the Sephiroth fight and don't have to redo the Whisper fight also, unless you were to mess up like I did with Rufus and Arsenal. Uh, <laughs> but I think um, um, okay. the I, for whatever reason, this time around, struggled with the Whispers the very beginning of the fight yep. several times. 
Um, and then once I figured out how to get past that like initial onslaught, the rest of it was not a problem for me. Uh, yeah. Dealing with them individually, dealing with them as the Bahamut was not a problem. Finishing off Whisper Harbinger was not a problem. And even dealing with, I could get Sephiroth down enough that I always got my second person. And then it was a question of if I was going to get to my third person or not. Um, but I really feel like for, they're challenging, but maybe I'm just, I was just really beefed up by this point in hard mode, but I didn't think they were as difficult as honestly some of the fights a little earlier in the game. Yeah, certainly this was not the hardest fight, but I do think it was the most satisfying out of all of them. And I think like that is probably the the more important part because I don't think they I want, agree, yeah. I don't think they want you to lose on the final fight of the game, but I think they want you to like earn it a little bit, you know? Sure. Uh, I also struggled with the whispers right at the very beginning beginning it's, it's why it like took me a little bit longer this week because i like started those first couple fights a couple times and i had lost each time and i was like okay i need to put myself in a headspace for this to actually yeah. do it um and so that was like my bigger issue was right at the beginning before i like understood the mechanics of okay i need to split them off into one uh versus like trying to you know knock them all down um because uh, as party members, you're not playing. Uh, they don't. You don't really get to control who they attack. And so I'm over here, like attacking one constantly, and Barrett's attacking another. Tifa's attacking another. And it's like, what are we doing, guys? Come on. Um, but yeah, I, I. It only took me one go through the Sephiroth fight, which uh, I think was good. It was. It was just very. Um, I do. I again. I think it was very satisfying. I think it was a very. Uh, it was a great way to kind of end the combat portion of the game um and then we get to cutscenes. unless there was anything else in the fight that you want to talk about no you're right uh and folks who were watching along with me on twitch will know um i said oh, i looked at the clock and what time i had to leave and i was like all right i will try this one more time i've been getting through this fight or near the end of this fight in about 15 minutes i have 15 minutes i can try it one more time and of course in that one more time is when I beat the fight yep. and hadn't thought about the fact that specifically because I was streaming, I wasn't going to just stop the game and leave. I, I had to let the cutscenes play out into the credits. And I was like, uh, okay, you guys watch this fight scene while I get ready for work. <laughs> um, oops. Cause there is still uh, a good amount of epilogue story-wise here after we have finished our battle with Sephiroth. Yeah, there, I mean, there's a really, really good amount of it. So, uh, you know, the, the fight with Sephiroth and Sephiroth is, like, kind of able to jump up on things. Cloud has a very, very cool moment of, you know, you know, jumping and jumping and jumping, and we try one last time to kill Sephiroth with a sword, and then poof, we're somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Cloud is waking up all alone. Uh, Sephiroth is there. You don't really know exactly where they are. Cloud kind of picks up his sword. Um, and they begin to have, uh, a a very interesting, uh, and, uh, intense exchange between the two of them here. Um, as he's going off, waiting cloud, very, it's very intense. Um, Sephiroth is really, (laughs) really going for it here, which is great. Um, and so in that, uh, there, you know, the, the exchange is uh, partially a fight that kind of gets done for us. I will say I was terrified that they were going to be like, oh, you got to fight him again. And By I, yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I thought this was going to go. And I was about to be really upset. But thankfully, that's not <laughs> that is not what happened. Um, 
And so instead, this is just this exchange where they are going back and forth. They are seemingly basically equals in terms of combat strength for the most part. Um, you know, what's going on here? You know, Sephiroth is giving uh, uh, some, of, some of the monologue during the fight as well. Eventually, Sephiroth is able to shove the sword out of Cloud's hands as it kind of dramatically goes back, six in the ground. Uh, as Sephiroth is, you know, talking about talking about destiny. You know, talking about, like, what is going to happen. Uh, he says we are at the edge of creation. Yeah. And, of course, uh, yeah, that, sure. re- that <laughs> very reminds chill. Yeah, Very chill. Very not dramatic at all. That does remind me of the uh, current Disney Plus show, uh, National Treasure, Edge of uh, History. Very dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're at the edge of edge of creation. We were very intensely talking about this. And as we said it before, again, these are kind of the moments that like um, kind of clicked with me here. We did like we, we did overcome fate. Like we overcame destiny. We were able to do that together as a group. But like, like, you know, like you said, like this game is telling us in doing so. Sephiroth doesn't have to deal with that either. And so yeah. we did not like the timeline we were on where Shinra was draining the planet of all of its resources. And we were all pretty doomed. Um but if we are changing the timeline of what happened in the original Final Fantasy VII, then we are changing the guaranteed fact that Sephiroth fails, uh, and who knows what may happen instead. Yeah, uh, and I, I'll tell you right now, I think that Sephiroth certainly uh, was pretty happy uh that we were able to kind of get this out of the way it seems like that was he says something that kind of implies like thanks for doing that for like thanks for getting that out of the way for me yeah would have been really difficult to do that myself it certainly uh would have been uh you know difficult um i i don't know that he would be able to do it it seemed like in in some ways he had uh somewhat control over the situation um but who knows? Yeah. Um, and so uh, the the quote that I did write down here because of you know how kind of important I thought it was, uh, that which lies ahead does not yet exist. Our world will become a part of it one day, but I will not end, nor will I have you end. Very dramatic, like very intense yeah. here as they are like equals, uh, you know, kind of in this final battle. Um, and then he ends, of course, by saying, you know, seven seconds till the end. Uh, time enough for you, perhaps. What will you do with it? Let's see. There is something like Doctor Whovian about there is. this like moment, right? Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, very much so in terms seven of seven like, seconds to save the world. You know, what will you feels do? Feels like it? an episode of Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, and of course, this Not was to be like confused with four minutes to save the world, which was generous um that's an early 2000s music reference that is clearly not for you okay yeah, yeah. not uh <laughs> not for me uh only final fantasy and doctor who in this podcast thank you um <laughs> and this was like of course like right after cloud basically refused to join sephiroth who was like hey you and me could like do this together we're still like we could be partners in this and cloud's like absolutely not um and there also drops a feather kind of in this moment which uh that is probably the one thing that made absolutely no sense to me throughout the whole rest of this game, but it's fine, whatever. Um, and then he's gone. And uh, and then we kind of have this big montage of cutscenes after, but that's kind of the last that we see of Sephiroth going, going forward here uh, in this game. 
and it was um it was very intense like i was saying before and then uh, the word that i keep coming back to was even in this cut scene where i wasn't actually doing anything active it felt very satisfying even though it wasn't like a ending it wasn't like a victory we you know we're not like out here doing victory laps here because we've won uh, in almost any sense but it still managed to feel satisfying and i think like that is is a really interesting thing a really interesting line to toe uh as -hmm. we're playing this game and i do think that part of what made it feel satisfying is that after this happened um we we go to more cutscenes. We're we're around uh, Midgar, and we see kind of the uh, the the group as well. Uh, eventually, at the end, and so we we go through Sector Five. We see kids playing. We see a kid run up to a dog, uh, which is amazing. Um, we go through. We see Marl putting back up the seventh heaven sign, um, which is great. Just kind of talking to people. We see um someone giving out like some soup uh and you know stuff like that as well um we uh of course also People see Marlene pulling together to rebuild coming together to rebuild which is amazing we also see marlene um especially kind of you know in uh as the you know sun is kind of shining through and and there are sparkles everywhere creating a, a really cool <laughs> atmosphere uh we see marlene kind of reaching out and then the connection with barrett um and then we also, uh, in, in this moment here, go to the Shinra uh, headquarters where we see Rufus, the new president of Shinra, and his whole uh, gang of lackeys. We have Heidegger, we have Scarlet, we have Reeve, we have Sang, who is also there. Um, we go to Hojo for a little bit uh, as he gets maniacal laughter over uh, the, uh, uh, the Genova kind of everywhere, all that slime everywhere. Um, that he's just like standing on casually. I'm sure it's fine. Um, and then finally we see our group of quote unquote heroes are five uh, at the end. here, So-called heroes. Our so-called heroes as they are talking about um, kind of what comes next. And they're at the edge of the city. They are, you know, looking back at, at Midgar. Barrett has that moment with Marlene. Um, everyone's just kind of looking at each other. They, you know, what comes next uh cloud of course talking about sephiroth he wants to destroy the world and cloud can't do anything until uh until he stops that barrett's like well if he wants to destroy the world that's an enemy of avalanche we're going everyone's coming together um and they they walk out and uh it was it was kind of in this moment here where it starts to rain at the end um and again, it's one of those things where uh, it's uh, it's it, it, it's interesting because I don't think we like would think about it normally if we were living under those circumstances. Um, but it doesn't rain in Midgar. Yeah, but that's just not a thing. Because um, if you're living in the Undercity, you literally don't see the sky. There's no sky. There's no sun. There's no rain. There's no anything. And I think like that is one of the things that like uh, the game like didn't do an amazing job of putting us in that moment throughout the time we were in there, I think. Mm. But it's like I, too beautifully lit too much of the time. Yeah. Like there's yeah. too much good stuff in there for me to be like, oh, okay, this is like how it feels. But I still think that, like, the implications of this rain and the effect that we are seeing it have on the characters is really 
um, it's really potent here at the end. Um, and it, it, it honestly, like it's very emotional as well. Like as they're kind of experiencing this, they're, they're walking forward and we see, uh, we see another vision. I don't know if you want to call it a vision or whatnot. We'll, we'll, you know, we can talk about it, but, um, and I feel like this is where a lot of the intrigue and conversation around this game happens is kind of at the ending point here where, uh, at least from my memory is a pretty big change, uh from from what we had seen previously we see and we have been seeing visions of this previously of zach who uh was in i'm doing okay with names today actually you are um who was in the original final fantasy 7 from my recollection i'm just gonna this could be right or wrong or whatever this is always tricky so you tell me and then i'll I'll help you yeah from my recollection in the original final fantasy 7 zach and cloud were very very good friends they were very close they both joined soldier together um and there was an accident or maybe it was intentional or something but zach died and Cloud was very distraught at, at what happened. And he sort of not assumed Zack's identity, but like took, I think he took the sword from Zack and kind of became Zack in a sense. Uh, and so, yeah. so at the Zach very was, least, he Zach died. Zack was in Soldier. Cloud was not in Soldier. Uh, Cloud was like one of those, if you remember the scene where that where we like see Cloud doing squats in the truck. Yes. Um, and then it is later revealed that Cloud was just one of the two random blue guys in the truck. And Zach was the one doing all the squats. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cloud was just a random lowercase soldier. Uh, and Zach was a all cap soldier. And when Zach dies, as we definitely see really aggressively uh, in the original game, there is a lot of gunfire. There is gunfire after he's on the ground that seems really uncalled for, especially in a children's game. Um, That's something that like really sticks out to me is like how visceral that scene was. And I was not expecting it um, in this little like, you know, polygon figure game. Um, yeah, here we see Zach uh, fights these guys and is is walking away, living to tell the tale. It would seem living to tell um, the tale. Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. And then I like the 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 bigger moment here, and I think like the thing that um, again I'm, I'm gonna like use the word emotional here is we see Zach and Cloud, uh, Zach kind of, kind of carrying Cloud, Cloud's arm over his shoulder. Cloud's clearly very very injured is walking the opposite way towards Midgar on the same path that our heroes are walking away from. And as it is kind of raining here, as we're seeing the group go forward, it is Aerith who, again, this I think this is potentially up to interpretation, is seeing this alternative scene play out in front of her as they are coming back. And so... Um, and the yes, impact that was her boyfriend it was yeah exactly that that is the other part yes um and i think like that is where um i mean that's where like it hits right like that's where this game hits really hard at the end and then our our, our final words are i believe from Aerith, who says that she misses the steel sky yeah oh it gives me chills the way that she says it this this beautiful song is playing and it's raining 
Uh, yeah, and she says, I miss it. The steel sky. Oh, yeah. oh it's so good. It's, it's so good. It's ridiculously I have, good. I have admittedly sort of mixed feelings about this whole fate twist situation. Um, but I love the way they stick the landing in the cutscenes at the very end. I think it's gorgeous. I think it's emotional. I think it's really impactful. Um, I think it makes you like feel like you went on this journey over the course of the time that you played this game. Um, and it's like exciting to wonder what's going to come next and what you're going to do with these characters that you really care about. Uh, if you look, I did not catch this. Um, I was told this, but if you are paying very close attention, uh, there's a chip bag that blows by um, when when we're watching Zach. And instead of Stamp being a beagle, he's a different kind of dog. So that's to show that we're in like a different, I don't know, universe, timeline. I'm not the wibbly wobbly timey wimey expert here. So I don't know what the right technical term is for this shift that we seem to have made uh but it is another sign that something has changed and the reality is a bit different than it was whether this is a vision or if this is what has now actually happened can you change the past by changing the present slash future i don't know um but these are all the kinds of things that the game is talking about which is really really interesting yeah and i think it's like that kind of speculation uh that was like making my brain go crazy last night because i think originally as I'm seeing this, I was like, okay, this is just something that happened in the past. Like, this is how Cloud got to Midgar, and we're just seeing, like, a glimpse of history or whatever that Aerith is able to pick up on because of Ancient. And then I was like, well, maybe that's not what we're, maybe that's not what we're seeing here. Um, maybe this, like, could be something different. And I think, like, the destruction of fate, the destruction of destiny of like the known timeline going forward um, basically means who knows? Yeah. Uh, like the, uh, it, it could be anything. And I think like that is so ridiculously interesting. Um, and uh, I know, I know we said the final words, but then the, the, the final words on the screen, the unknown journey will continue. Mm-hmm. It's unknown. We have no idea what's going to happen uh, yeah. you know, going forward. We can talk, you know, we can talk speculation all freaking day, but like the thing that I will come back to and, and like, some of the notes that I have here and just like my overall thoughts on this game, uh, it's ridiculously good. And they nailed the ending more than I ever thought that they would. And I know whatever, it's like one of the more popular games ever. It's, it's gotten heaps of praise and, and, you know, whatever, but uh, just given like how I thought these you know ending boss fights were going to be, we're going to go, or we're just gonna like be fighting and fighting and fighting. It felt like I said before, so satisfying, even in a way that was like not necessarily victorious, but like it felt emotionally satisfying. And I think like that is the key difference here. As I'm, you know, again, I'm playing this last night. It's ridiculously late. I'm like about to tear up at what Aerith is saying here as the group is going forward, and it made me realize like oh my God, I have like fallen in love with these characters and this game in a way that like, 
makes no freaking sense first of all <laughs> this is like a video game what are we doing here um and yeah there was like a very but real this moment is last what night. good games do right it if is. you're playing a an rpg you're playing a story-based game josh is going to be so happy to hear this um <laughs> but you know it's very different from just like shooter games or other kinds of, of video games like you are playing this for the story you get to be involved in the story even more so than you would just reading a book or watching a movie. Um, and so you've spent a ton of time interacting with these characters and especially across two games now uh, and across however many months we've been talking about this. It's a long time. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I do want to give overall thoughts here, but just to like the months of it all, uh, there's been some uh, banter of it all, but how quickly I play games through. Um, I'm just going to put it out there. I think that the slow play of this has made me much more invested emotionally and intellectually than if I had just sped run it. So uh, that's all I have to say about how quickly I'm able to play. Listen, nobody said it was good or bad. Josh just said maybe Adam can play fast, and I said no, he cannot. Yeah, I don't even know what I don't even know what we were talking about. I I Uh, because the Last of Us on pc is dropping right around the time that the series is ending and so josh was like well maybe he could just play the whole game essentially and i was like no, no. i promise you that's yeah, not how this is gonna not go realistic. down yeah sorry <laughs> but i won't um, say anything on a podcast that i wouldn't say to your face yeah no no that's fair that's fair and uh, not but, that i could keep it a secret from you anyway yeah um <laughs> uh so i wanted to i just want to spend a couple minutes talking about the game in total and like why it really worked for me. Um, I, there are like three things that I like really want to call out here. Um, I, these are the notes that I have for this chapter. Not even really like what happened. I just have my notes on what I really loved about the game. So number one, anyone who you know knows me could probably predict this is number one. It's the music. Good God. Uh, the music of this game with one pretty major exception was spectacular. Like, truly spectacular. Um, it was ridiculously compelling. It set the scene really well. All of the fight sequence, I think, were brilliantly scored. Even when we were, like, creating new characters, uh, some of the characters' themes, um, it probably helped that uh, playing the original Final Fantasy VII made me kind of not love the way they did those songs but also gave me the framework to kind of see what the potential of those songs could be and i think that like using the full or you know orchestral versions of these songs was really really good um and then like very specifically with music i want to shout out that final song that plays uh at the end as we're watching the credits because i'll just paint you a picture it's like 12 45 a.m last night and I am listening to the credits. Like there, there's like tears in my eyes yeah, as I'm listening song. to this song. It's uh, I like did some research here, and I've listened to this probably like five times today. Um, oh. it's Hollow, sung by mm-hmm. Yosh. Um, and like uh, the way the like the impact that music can have on things. I could talk about this for a million years because like our whole lives are scored in ways that like we don't really even understand or appreciate. And especially when we're talking about like mass forms of media, um, everything is scored. And like the way that we interpret various things are so dependent upon that music that is playing. And so uh, not only the vibe of of the song, which was just incredible, like the way they were able to actually do it, even the lyrics 
as I've like, you know, been looking these up, the things uh, that this game is talking about uh, are so freaking interesting. Um, It's not even very much as I like read these, I would be lost drifting along, floating up high uh, time after time. And there you'd be shining brightly, your smiling face to guide my way. Bloody and bruised, brought to my knees, when beaten down, when broken up, you would appear, reach out to me, heal every wound, and make me whole. Um, was it all a dream? Will I ever know? Foolish and blind to everything. Had I realized, uh, had I thought it through, would you be here in my embrace? And then this chorus that repeats a couple times, shine bright once more, guide me to you. Smile bright once more. This time I will never let you go. And I think like as this is playing, right? At the end of this, we hear Aerith's words being, you know, missing this steel sky, the raindrops that are falling down as like, you know, setting the mood for this as they're walking out to face literally the unknown. They yeah. have no idea what's coming. All that they've ever known is gone. And so even though they were quote unquote successful in a lot of what they've done, the thing that I think this song puts into context and in a way that only music can, in my opinion, is really demonstrate how much they have also lost and are giving up. Because I, th- I think it goes unnoticed here at the end in a lot of games and a lot of shows and a lot of media. When you have your big win at the end, sometimes you don't take a second to realize what it took to get there. And I think like the amount that these characters, the amount that these people are giving up and have lost that they were able to like hang on to with every last breath is staggering. And like, uh, you know, they, they look to these, uh, they look to these things for truth, for like, for hope, for something to like, hold on to. Like, you know, I'm thinking especially Aerith, who is like living large at the end of this game, right? Who's very, very important, very, very complex here. Um, The life that she had in Sector 5, despite it potentially not being, you know, glamorous or still being like very downtrodden, there's a lot of history there, especially all of her stuff with Shinra. But like, there's a lot that she is giving up here to go on this journey. And yes, like, of course, we're going to, you know, go fight Sephiroth. Of course, we're going to do this. We, We did so much. We accomplished so much in Midgar. But at what cost? And I think like the way that the music is able to put that in there with the raindrops, with the, uh, it's just, it like, it was, it was so moving uh, that I, I, I don't even know what to say other than like, it's spectacular. Um, I knew and- you would like the music, but I'm so glad that it really hit that hard and that you feel that way about it. It hit insanely hard. I, I, I'll like the other thing I'll admit, I'm like, not very in touch with the emotion of sadness like that is not an emotion that i uh like you know whatever like people are i see a lot of like cry charts people are like you know doing uh people people cry very often i am not someone that cries like that is not an emotion that i'm very in tune with myself it's something i'm trying to like work on because it's very important to like actually express your feelings i'm very bad at it (laughs) unless the feeling is like fake outrage on a podcast which i'm very very good at um but like literally it was like 12:45 a.m. last night and I'm sitting right where I am right now it was the complete darkness except for these christmas lights I have on behind me and I'm like crying over this song cuz these characters there and I'm like look at this like Adam what is going on <laughs> what are you doing um and so the music is so important. Okay, so that's number one of why I think this game worked spectacularly well. Number two, the story. 
uh, they had a lot to go on based on the original game, but they made so many choices that made the story, number one, compelling. I cared about what actually happened here, despite it, you know, being a a pretty hypothetical scenario, all <laughs> things considered. Um, you know, there's, there's well, so- and despite pe- theoretically knowing yes. like exactly what's going to happen because you've already done it. Yes, exactly. Um, but it still felt like different enough. Uh, the, the other things, uh, important with the story, it was understandable. I could actually like wrap my head around what was going on. Like I said, I'm kind of an idiot when it comes to like video games. I don't play them. Like I truly, I do not. And so while I do like, uh, you know, uh, uh, consume a lot of various types of media and I do love complex stories and storytelling, um, this story felt understandable enough that there was, there was really no point along the journey where I was like, I actually don't understand why these characters <laughs> are doing this. There was no point where I like didn't actually get it. Um, uh-huh. There might have been some points where I was like, what are we doing here? But that's to be expected. <laughs> there was no point where I didn't understand what was happening. And I think like it's it's a subtle thing because like, of course, you're going to understand what's going on. But like you're not going to, of course, understand what's going on. I'm not going to, of course, understand what's going on. And so if I'm able to actually grasp it and wrap my head around it, I think that creates better opportunities for storytelling. Um And the other big thing with the story, it felt important. Like the stakes actually felt significant in a way that like was, was kind of like hard to explain, but also a little hard to comprehend of why it felt so important Hmm. because like, uh, you know, in final fantasy seven, uh, the, the original, I kind of remember walking away from that first portion of the game in Midgar being like, eh, We'll get, we'll get back to it later. Like, it, whatever. It's fine. Like, yeah. we're going to... It's such, like, an insignificant part of this. But, like, now, as I'm getting to the end, and I'm, like, looking back on the things we fought or the people we encountered and the, uh, like, the meaning of it all, we were literally in a fight with Destiny to save the world. And along the way, we had to encounter massive opposition from a crushing... Uh, just so op- uh, oppressive form of um, <laughs> capitalism who had <laughs> like such a grip on everything that there was like, it, there were times where it felt hopeless, but the work still felt so important. And like the things that we were doing were just amazing. And so um, it just, it, like the story of this game uh is really really great and then i come to the ending of it all still in this kind of story bucket again we didn't kill sephiroth we didn't save the world we didn't actually take down shinra we like in terms of you know boxes to be checked here for for wins (laughs) we got out of midgar okay there's i i guess that's a win uh i don't know that that was like not even what we really wasn't really our goal beginning of the game Uh, yeah Yeah. wasn't really the goal here we got a midgar and we got a dog like that's basically hey that's a win yeah and i mean we take those wins but it doesn't feel like a loss um i i run a ton of DD. i play a ton of DD, and a lot of the conversations that we have around okay how can we give these players wins how can the session feel like a win and if we want to make sure the baddie gets away or whatever how does it not feel like a loss to the players because generally speaking in a story especially one that you yourself are engaging with either as yourself as a person or even in any kind of like rpg space if you end a session or an arc or whatever uh or a game with a loss 
it can feel really, really bad. Like really, it can, like, you know, not all stories are going to end in major wins, but if you have that big loss, it can feel really, really bad. And yet I'm still at the end of this game, not feeling like it was even a loss. Even when looking back, it's like, well, we really didn't do much except for destroy destiny and get out of the city. Except for destroy destiny. But like the thing that I'm trying to say here is like, that is a complex, that's a complex win yeah. because it's not just like, okay, we, we set out to destroy destiny and like overcome this. Not really. Uh, and yet we did it and maybe it's a win. Like, maybe it's not, we don't know. And I think like a complex form of, of a win, quote unquote, creates a really interesting story. Um, and so like, yeah, that's, that's my number two. Like the story of this game was ridiculously good. Um, just, just so, so good. Um, yeah. We've moved far beyond, you know, video games, just being dumb things for little kids to play, like stare at a screen and shoot a ball at a little pixel character you know it's yeah. it can tell b- video games can tell big complex stories and games that are not that this game not so much in terms of like your choices impact what's going to happen in the game a little bit but not really but there are certainly games these days where your choices drastically impact how the story turns out and i think that's fascinating i also think it's kind of stressful and i don't know if i would love those kinds of games because i think i would belabor every decision um but they can like really speak to you know this game is from 1997 and fundamentally the themes that are being tackled in the remake are still those same ideas from 1997 and yet they speak incredibly presciently to 2023 at this point you know it it continues to be incredibly relevant this idea of taking on big corporate entities that are destroying literally destroying the planet uh and causing great harm to like masses of people with no perceptible consequences uh and a small group of people can can try and do something about that and even if they have not succeeded in their greatest goal yet uh you can continue to feel that you are hopefully making some change and that will inspire other people to do the same thing and you just have to keep going yeah i mean there's there's no other option and i again i think like one of the calling cards of this is that they weren't ultimately successful in this portion of the game um like even with the work that they did and the amount of success that they had at a lot of the things they were trying to do, Shinra is arguably more powerful now than they were when the game began. And so like, I think there's, there's really important takeaways to be had there. Um, And then number three on my list, uh, the final thing that I had here of, of why this game works so ridiculously well for me are the characters. And I think that like, it, it kind of goes unsaid a little bit. Um, I remember the at the very beginning of this game how down I was on Cloud and and the <laughs> dialogue that he had. But I think like looking back, there is something so narratively interesting about a quasi reluctant hero who has wildly alternative motivations, um, but also kind of has this interesting backstory that sort of gets unlocked and creates new front facing motivations. Um, and inspires that kind of action and that kind of leadership. Because again, as we're talking about like, 
what we have to do, this is maybe this is just uh, Adam talking, but like what we have to do to take down like the uh, unstoppable force of capitalism, like we're all a little reluctant, right? Like everyone kind of has their own form of motivations. It's not easy to say like, let's go, you know, bomb sector five or whatever. Like, you know, it's not, it's not easy to say like, we have to go destroy this reactor. We have to do X, Y, and Z. I think that all of us can be a little complacent in terms of the actual actions that we want to take to accomplish the goals that we say that we want to accomplish. And I think that creating characters with a little bit more complexity is number one, and at least in my opinion, harder to do in a video game with a lot of characters, but also really important to do because I think that is what connects us to this story. Uh, as we are like playing through cloud, of course, like, yeah, we're going to do the big fights. We have a cool sword. We're going to, you know, kill a bunch of people and, and take down Shinra. Great. Like we can all say that, but I'm thinking of like, even the, the other kind of main characters and how well fleshed out their characters are, even without giving a lot of opportunity for backstories, I, I, you know, Tifa and Aerith obviously come to mind like right away as we're kind of getting introduced to the game and also to um, the sector by Tifa. Like how much, uh, how much do we learn about Tifa and her personality and the way that they were able to give these characters a lot of agency and understanding? Um, I think is amazing. And then same thing with Aerith when we had the run around with Aerith chapter. Uh, you know, I, I think that we learn a lot and understand their personality. Uh, quite quickly and I think that they were able to even with characters that had very similar motivations and I'm thinking like all of Avalanche they were able to give them each such a unique personality that really stood out and I think like that is just so ridiculously important here as I'm you know even thinking back to characters like Jesse um of like characters that actually like played a, pr a pretty big impact here in terms of like what they were trying to do their personalities and stuff like that um and I ultimately came out of this uh, very connected to a lot of these characters because of like how they were able to make us think about them and the situations they put us in um, and allowed the characters to shine. And I think like that is so important there while cloud was of course the main character and the one swinging the sword and the one doing the things yada 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 i do think every character got the opportunity to have that spotlight and was able to kind of seize it and make me love them like that and that is a thing that like is really really impressive when we're talking about of course a big main character with a sword trying to go slash and hack <laughs> at things all of the characters got these amazing opportunities to be themselves um and then a slight shout out to uh the character themes uh the music there as well because i think that that also helped us characterize them uh in ways that were really really special so um those are my three big notes on why final fantasy 7 remake really worked for me i will say one more thing a cutscene that I have not yet mentioned because I have been waiting because I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. Biggs is alive. I wondered if somehow you'd missed that. I oh, like, we haven't said that. There was no chance I'm missing that. Are you kidding me? Yeah, man. You're telling me Biggs is still alive and kicking? Woo! I will say, uh, once you know that, the, t the running up the tower becomes like even more of a drudge because these scenes where you're like saying your final dramatic farewells and then you know this isn't actually the end is like yeah okay I get it yeah. um I think but yeah Jesse's you know we we the... changed a lot of fate that day 
Yeah, a lot of fate, which is amazing. Uh, and there's also, I believe, a red ribbon of some kind on like the dresser next to him. And people are theorizing that that means Jesse is also alive. Uh, so perhaps Wedge, Biggs, and Jesse all make appearances in uh, in Rebirth. We shall see. Um, coming so at the ready. at the end of this year, um, Rebirth is going to be a a PS5 exclusive. Uh, it will be time for me to finally upgrade from the Josh Wiggler gifted PS4 um, to a PS5 after two years. Um. Yeah, you're not going to be able to play. Oh, this does actually make a question relevant that we got in feedback in the Discord. Um, Alex had asked, uh, "What? How do you reconcile ending game one at level thirty or forty something, or level fifty if you've played for a million hours like I have, and starting game two at level one?" And I asked if that was definitely going to happen. And he said, no, but what if somebody, you know, just plays part two first? And I was like, well, then they're doing it wrong. Um, And he pointed out, or if you're playing on different systems, like if your save file won't port over, if perhaps you played on PC and now you want to play part two, but you're going to have to do it on a PS5. Well, I I will say, I feel like it's very likely that they will start everyone in the same place for the new game, regardless of, of system. Um, it would really surprise me if people were able to come in with the same whatever that they had previously. I feel like they're going to start everyone off in the same way. Um, How that happens, I don't know. It could be a level one. It could be a whatever. Level one could mean something different in the new game than it does in this game. Uh, You know, whatever. Like everyone, I think everyone's going to come up with the same base stats. Uh, You'll probably still have some cool stuff just like based on that. But I think it's pretty easy to just hand wave the oh we were in an alternate reality where all of our stuff got taken or or you know some of it whatever i don't know um but i do think everyone's gonna come to the same thing the larger issue that i have here is why are we not producing games from the pc i feel like there are way more pc gamers right now than there ever have been before um especially uh, a ps5 exclusive Who's got that kind of cash? Who's got that uh, kind of cash listen, to just drop on a PS5? I am not the uh, the video game expert that I am purported to be by running a video game podcast. Um, but I do know that all of the Final Fantasy games always originally released on the PlayStation system going all the way back to the PS1. Um, and I, I don't know if there is like specifically... Uh, is some sort of deal between Square Enix and PlayStation or Sony or whatever. Um, at this point, they're all of, I think the original series almost in its entirety is ported to, uh, to what is the Nintendo thing that I have? The Switch. Um, Cause I own seven through 15 on the Switch with the exception of 13, which is, doesn't exist anywhere much to Mike Edwards chagrin. Um. I, yeah, I don't know what to tell you, Adam. Yeah, but like Intergrade, ridiculous. Intergrade, the two Yuffie chapters that I know you don't care about, uh, but are I only play. are yeah. only on PS5. Oh no! So I have the opportunity to play uh, Yuffie chapters. It did give me that uh, at the very end. Or of are the they game. on Steam now? I don't know. Whatever I have, they're like press this button to play Yuffie, and I was like, well, probably not gonna do that oh. right now, but I can do it. I can't even do that yet. Well, there we go. I don't. It does nothing for us, but you know. Um, 
Yeah, make the games for the PC. This is ridiculous. Uh, how in the world am I supposed to afford to just go out and buy a PS5? There's no world where that can happen. They're they're like they're like 500 bucks. They're so expensive, um, especially just for like one game. Because I would not really play. I don't play a lot of other games. So uh, plus, I don't have to buy the game as well. There's like another however many dollars. It's a lot of there's a lot of money uh, going on here, and I don't like it. This is capitalism. Uh, quit it, Sony. Or Square Enix, whichever of you is responsible for not whoever's this fault on the this PC. is whoever's yeah. fault this is Shinra, um, yeah. So I, you know, to actually answer the question, we'll probably all start at the same space. I don't know if there'll be a level one. I, who knows? They could use whatever leveling system they want. It doesn't really matter. Um, but I don't think you're going to come in with all the stuff that you had previously. That would be that would be kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, I know you can do that for Integrate. Uh... But we shall see what I would be really sad if having maxed out all of this materia, I have to start over. You'll definitely have to start um, over. Shh. I, it's a different game. Like the, we there, don't know. We did, there has let, to be an option for people to just pick up and start playing that game. That's outrageous and unacceptable. But the, how? there's no way that wouldn't <laughs> be an option. I mean, you can, but then, you know, sucks to be you. You don't have the 134 hours of play experience that I have. Okay, well, that feels... And that was just my uh, 100% playthrough. That does not include this one. That feels very different than the average person's situation, so... (laughs) You know, I am not the average person. Yeah, it's true. A couple more questions as we finish up here. Um, Alex also asked, what are you looking forward to most about playing in hard mode? Um, that's all I have to say about that. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Mike had asked a couple questions, but I feel like we answered those along the way. Um, did you know that there is a music-based Final Fantasy game? I just learned about it while we were recording this podcast. A music-based Final Fantasy? Like a Guitar Hero type situation? I am not totally sure. It is called Theater Rhythm Final Bar Line. Uh, There is a trailer in the Final Fantasy channel of the Discord if you want to check it out. I don't think we have time to like fully watch and talk about it on the podcast at this point in time. But it's something we could consider for the future uh, if it looks interesting to us, which it might. Um, before we final, finally wrap up here, uh, attractiveness rankings. So I have uh, the official top 10 attractiveness rankings of the entire game. Okay. I did mine live on the fly on this podcast while we were talking. Oh, you have so, yours uh, as well? I figured I sh- if I if not now, when, right? Uh, fair enough okay so let's go 10 to 1 okay and we'll each go one by one here so okay number 10 i have andrea rodea wow okay uh number 10 i have reeve not reeve oh my god not reeve reno jesus christ i was like uh i told you i did this (laughs) while we were talking you were probably talking about reeve when i wrote it probably yeah um Uh, number 10 reno Okay, Reno. Reno's not even on my list, just as an FYI. I, he, like, almost never was. I think he was there for, like, um, maybe a hot second. Yes. Okay. Number nine, very fitting, I have Rude. Number nine, I have Cloud. Okay, interesting. Number eight, I have Madam M. Number eight, I have Sephiroth. Sephiroth. Number seven, Biggs, baby! Biggs is back in the mix! Uh, that's funny because I have Madam M at number seven and Biggs at number six. Okay. Well, oh my God. Biggs made your top. That's amazing. I love Biggs. 
Yeah. We talked early on in this game about he's like how he's unacceptably attractive. It's too yeah. much. I get there was a lot. Of, I got a lot of flack for that. Number six, I have Jesse, um, who I love, and I'm hoping that she's alive because you I know she is. I mean, I really hope so. It would be um, real shitty if they saved Biggs and Wedge and not Jesse. Yeah, it would also make nice basically gang. no sense. Yeah, like, maybe why? We, yeah, yeah. Well, if we're making it all Biggs up at this cost. point anyway. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, number five, I have Sephiroth. That's where my <laughs> Sephiroth is. Uh, I put Rude at number five. Oh my! I like God. the deep voice. Whoa! I don't know what to uh, tell you. Sephiroth also has a deep voice. Um, I've been waiting, Cloud. I'm waiting. Cloud. Yeah, it's great. Josh um, hates Sephiroth's voice in this game. <laughs> it's very sultry. And yeah, I think I think, I think less the less the voice and more the uh, attitude behind the voice. Uh, that sultriness i think is not what yeah. hashtag not my sephiroth i think josh yeah. would say okay he's not a big fan of like the creepy and sexy aesthetic uh mixed together uh it's funny because i feel like he extremely is actually but not in this specific instance. that's how i would classify sephiroth so. uh number four uh we have the one and only Aerith. okay number four is where i have andrea rodea Wow, that's really hot. Oh, I wow. love Andrea. Oh my gosh. Also, kind of... I am taking attractedness to be like the entirety of the person. Uh, so I almost feel bad about having Sephiroth on my list at all because he's d- trying to destroy the planet. Oh, yeah. I, I am cannot... not going purely on aesthetics here. Yeah, I am. Uh, I can't. I, there's no way to account for all that. Um, I mean, I guess there is, but I'm not going to do it. Number three is Barrett. Number three, I have Aerith. Okay, so we're yeah right out there. Yeah, uh, we're up here. Yeah, yeah. Number two, uh, Tifa. I feel like people love Tifa. I have Barrett number two, Tifa number one. You have Tifa, Tifa number best one. Girl. Yeah, my number one. Is top ten overall attractiveness rankings of Final Fantasy VII remake. The official upset. list. Cloud Strife. This ain't a seed. It's a goddamn arms race. What? Number one. Outrageous. The man who fell off the list ages ago. Oh, yeah. What a comeback. Chris Mm -hmm. Underwood style. Well, (laughs) Underwood, Cloud. I can't even do the. (laughs) Cloud Underwood. Cloud Underwood. Um, (laughs) We love Cloud. Oh, my God. The look that he gave at the very end as like Gareth was looking, he like turns back. He's uh, he's looking like sexy as hell there. His face is all cleaned off somehow. All of the triangular bits of hair shifting in the wind <laughs> all over the place. It was doing something. It was it was incredible. Congratulations to Cloud for being number one on the list for the entirety of the game. A huge upset, but I don't know how I just had to do it. It was just the moment struck me. And so there we are. Wow. Um, uh, so for the ease of Jay Shadow, who has been posting uh, these updates weekly in the Discord, can you run down your list one to ten real quick? Yes, one to ten. Cloud, Tifa, Barrett, Aerith, Sephiroth, Jesse, Biggs, Manamem, Rude, Andrea Rodea. Okay. And my list, since it has been asked for so many times, and I obviously put tons and tons and thought of thought into it over the course of this podcast, uh, meaning literally just this podcast um is tifa barrett Aerith, andrea rodea rude biggs madam m sephiroth cloud and reno okay and there you have it everybody um adam 
anything else before we say goodbye for now here on the final fantasy seven slash final fantasy slash last of us podcast um i think that the just the final thing that i'll say um i really enjoyed getting to to play through this game um and i you know i've said this however many times i'm just not a video game person uh especially like these types of games i haven't played them i don't really play them um and this was a thoroughly enjoyable experience uh that i i really love getting to play through and then of course getting to talk through it uh week after week i hope that everyone who has been listening along uh has been having as much fun as we have been having um or even if you're having a proportionate amount of fun then you're still probably having a lot of fun so um hopefully everyone has been enjoying that and then i'm sad to see it go uh it'll be uh very different i mean how many you know months in a row have have we had where uh i've had to play some version of this game to come talk about it every week and now that's over and so uh just very very sad to see that go hopefully everyone enjoyed it along the way um and hopeful that we have more opportunities to do something like this uh in the future whatever that may look like um so that's a that's it for me this is a great game uh absolutely i've been playing final fantasy non just about non-stop and talking about it just about non-stop for almost exactly two years at this point um which is absolutely wild uh it has kicked off my twitch you know quote-unquote career if you can call it that my twitch habit at the very least um where I am always playing a Final Fantasy game of some kind. I've been streaming for over a year now. You can come find me at twitch.tv slash hope, where I will be playing The Last of Us on Monday evenings as of right now, because uh, that's where this podcast is taking a little detour for the time being. Uh, Adam, I do wish I could bring you along. I'm very sorry that the game is not on PC yet. Um, if you do do the unthinkable and play the game fast before the show is over, uh, maybe we'll be able to sneak you onto the podcast because it is certainly not for want of talking to you that uh, you will not be joining me for this next journey. It is just a matter of technology. Um, another one to yell at somebody about somebody whoever, yeah someone, uh, it's, it's, it's someone's naughty dog. I think it's I think naughty dog is the game maker. <sighs> They are naughty. They didn't put this game out on PC in a timely manner. Not in the good Um, way, too. So that is about it for us for now. You can keep up with us in the Discord. You can find Adam on Twitter at PianomanAdam1. You can find me on Twitter at HardRockHope. As I previously mentioned, find me at twitch.tv slash HardRockHope, playing The Last of Us, and still Final Fantasy (laughs) forever, Um, and other things as well. Uh, Adam, any last thing you want to plug before we really wrap it up here? Yes. So uh, new exciting things happening at the beginning of this year uh, over at One Describe a Podcast. We are talking through Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Uh, and so we're starting a new series there. So go check that out. One CXG Podcast. That's with Todd and Lindy. Uh, Who A is still going strong with Kevin uh, Mahadeo and Melissa Woodward. Um, we uh, just had a really fun episode that will come out, I think, the same day this does. So go listen to that. That's the Post Show Recaps patron-only podcast. Um, and then uh, the new projects. And so many things are ending. This is ending. Mythic Quest is done. Um, myself and the absolutely incredible Sarah Ferguson are going to be talking about season two of How I Met Your Father. Um Coming out on Hulu. So we're very excited to talk about that. I've been wanting to podcast with Sarah consistently for a long time. And so we're finally getting to do that. That'll be on post show recaps. Um, and we're going to talk about through all season one before the new season starts on the 24th. But uh, go check that out there. And then, like Seth said, Twitter at Pianoman Adam One. 
Um, and I'll still be, you know, around the Final Fantasy parts. Uh, I still, for whatever reason, am paying money to Square Enix for Final Fantasy XIV, despite basically never playing it. Um, yeah, now I've been back at Eorzea this past week. Maybe and now change. you've got time. Yeah, now I have time, apparently. Um, so, you know, come check that out there. Uh, hope to uh, Hope to see you all here again soon sometime. Yeah, uh, so that's going to be it for us for now. Stay subscribed to the Final Fantasy feed. Um, I think the Last of Us episodes will be dropping in here as well. But even if they don't, uh, there will certainly be more Final Fantasy in the future. Uh, as a as, as post-show recaps is a Josh Wiggler joint, there is no way we can ever get too far away from Final Fantasy. But until then, my friends... Take care, enjoy the rain if you can see it, and we will see you all again real soon. Bye.